This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. I suppose a natural place to begin this conversation is around the elephant in the room, which is this awesome name for your company, Ugly Mug Marketing. Can you talk about the uh, the origin of the name and also just how you got started in building your agency? Sure. I'm going to weave those two questions into one because they, they're very uh, related in terms of how the answer and how the name came to be. Um, so my background is marketing. I have a degree in marketing. And when I got out of university, out of school, I decided that I wanted to go into sales. And over the course of a few years, I started out terrible. And due to stubbornness, due to learning, due to constantly getting back up and knocking on more doors, I actually got good at the thing called selling. And that then I transitioned into marketing. I started using marketing to book appointments and things like that. And I really studied what what's called direct response marketing. Um, I decided to then leave doing sales and go and start a business for myself. And over the course of a three year period, grew that business and started having people come to me and asking me, what are you doing? How are you growing your business so rapidly? And the answer was marketing. But one of the things that I discovered during the course of growing that business was that um, there was a lot of vanity metrics that get thrown around in the marketing world. Right. Impression, reach, frequency, um, views, you know, all of those things. And, and look, don't get me wrong. They all have a place and they're all important. But if you aren't educated when it comes to marketing, you will believe that those metrics are the most important metrics. And what I learned the hard way in that first business was that, um, you know, at the end of the day, what matters most when it comes to marketing is one word and that is results. And so as part of my study of marketing, I, I started studying this gentleman of the name David Ogilvy. And David Ogilvy was the co-founder of an ad agency called Ogilvy and Mather. Uh, they're still one of the 10 largest in the world. David Ogilvy had a quote that was, I would rather an ad that's ugly and effective over one that's beautiful, but isn't. And so the name Ugly Mug Marketing really comes from that whole idea that in the marketing world, it's easy to be distracted by the glitz, by the glamour, by the awards. Um, the awards are what drive so many people. And yet, at the end of the day, you can have all the awards on the shelf you want, but if you're not getting results for your clients, then yes. what's the point of the trophies? Exactly. And for those of you who are not familiar with David Ogilvy, go check him out right now, especially if you are a copywriter, direct response writer, content creator, or marketer um, of any type. His book is called Ogilvy on Advertising. I have it on my bookshelf. Studied it in college. I was like, the first time I read that, I was I was mind blown. And it's it's the classics, man. That 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 what you just said is a passion of mine right now. It's that the foundations of anything, a business, of life whatever it may be, the foundations get lost to fads over time. You see what happens is there's these foundational principles. And when it comes to marketing, the two are psychology and math. Those are the two foundational principles of all of marketing. You have to understand how people think, how they're persuaded, how they make buying decisions, 
hence the psychology. And then the math is just simply, you have to make sure that your advertising and marketing dollars are producing a positive ROI. And over time though, what happens is a guru comes along and I use that term very loosely in quotation marks, but a guru comes along and they adapt that foundation to fit what they're attempting to do or what they're attempting to accomplish. Well, then somebody studies that particular guru and then they adapt it to what they want to adapt it to. And so over time, what happens is we lose sight of these foundational principles. And so my passion is really going back. If, if you want to study good marketing, like you were just talking about, Michael, go back, look at what worked a hundred years ago, because chances are it will still work in a world where attention spans are now, you know, three seconds or four seconds, whatever they say they are, because the basics never change. The basics never change, but the channels and the methods of communication and connection and capturing of that attention in captivating ways absolutely have evolved since even a decade ago, man, when I first started my career. And to see the explosion of content, the proliferation of channels and everybody's a media brand these days or certainly has the potential to become one talk about the evolution of your personal brand and that of the agency and some of the ways that you have separated yourself from the pack aside from the name of course but what are some of those strategies and tactics that you know have really worked for you guys in scaling up as quickly as you mentioned you did the world is so crowded. Any marketplace you choose to go in is already crowded. And the very first thing I think that anyone should do when they enter a new place is study what is currently taking place and then look for ways that you can be polar opposite, that you can be completely different from everybody else in that space. Because if you are completely different, you're going to stand out. That is yeah. the nature of standing out. That is, that's Seth Godin would call it the purple cow, right? It's the thing that is out of place that people are going to pay attention to. So for us in our journey, from the very beginning, I made a decision, just what you were just talking about, Michael, where I saw the trend coming where every single person at some point would probably have a cell phone, a smartphone in their wallet, in their purse, in their pocket. And like you said, every single person now becomes almost like their own individual media company. And right. so my thought was, why not leverage and harness this ability and this power? And so sadly today, I think so many businesses miss this huge opportunity to turn their existing customers into evangelists for their brand. And so I use the word evangelist. Part of it could be just because I'm from the South down here and it's the, you know, quote unquote Bible belt. And so that's the term that's used very often in a, in a religious context. But what an evangelist simply means is someone who is so passionate about you, your product, your service, that they are willing to go out and tell other people. And so the question I would have for people listening is this, what have you intentionally done to make it easier for your customers to share about you? That is where it's got to start. Yeah. And creating those forums and those communities and those feedback loops where, you know, user generated content and customer surveys and that qualitative information can be harnessed and then turned around and put back into the marketplace because your customers define your brand. People think they define their brand. Your clients, your audience, your communities define who you are and what you stand for. You can say it, you can espouse it, but ultimately the market will tell you who you are and, and where you are. I wanted to go back to something that you mentioned uh, a minute ago, Wayne, around success and metrics. A lot of people 
I know come to you and my clients ask me the same, like, why isn't my marketing working? I'm churning out so much content. I'm spending so much time on content, but I'm just not seeing the results. What are some of those reasons that are front and center for the clients you work with, why they wouldn't be seeing the results that they want? Yeah, number one, I would say is this, that um, they're playing copycat. So they're looking around, they're seeing their competitors doing the thing. So, you know, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, you name it, whatever the latest and greatest thing is, they look around, they see their competitors doing it and they think, oh, we've got to start doing that thing. And what I see is they confuse assets with actions. And so what I mean by that is the action is someone posts on Instagram every day or someone is uploading to TikTok every day. That is an action. Right? And so we go copy the actions without digging a layer deeper, without going a little bit deeper and asking what is the actual asset that they are building. And in most cases, that asset is a responsive audience, right? An audience who's eager and willing to respond. And so the question for you and I would be to ask, what are our strengths, right? So we may suck at video, but maybe we're great at writing. So maybe we mm -hmm. should pour our time, not in trying to become good at TikTok, but in writing content, maybe it's on Substack, maybe it's on Medium, wherever that may be, maybe it's building our own blog, right? And mm -hmm. so exploring what is the assets that we need to build to get the outcomes that we desire. And going off of that, a lot of inexperienced marketers will lead with the hard sell up front. And there are some cases and some situations where maybe that makes sense and that will work. But if you're going for the long-term brand equity and you're looking to build real clout and your personal brand over the long haul, it's going to take a more devoted commitment to content and to really investing in that asset of an audience. I wanted to ask you about, about that point and what it means to be patient and not asking too soon and not being demanding with your audience. Yeah, I love that um, because we are a very impatient society, particularly here in the in the states. We are very impatient, and we expect yeah. things overnight. We expect to add and, and things to work. And what I what I like to say is that um, so many of us fall into what I would call the hope and prayer strategy, right? So we go to Facebook, we go to Instagram, we go to whatever the thing is, and we do the thing we think we should be doing, and then we yeah. hope and pray that it works. And so we sometimes have to step back and ask ourselves, what is the actual system? What is the actual strategy that is being followed here? And if you think about marketing and you think about, you know, the core basics, which we talked about earlier, psychology and math, really at the end of the day, marketing is about getting people to trust you enough to pull out their wallet and hand you money. And so the question simply becomes, how do we get people to that point? And there's, I view it as there's two steps in that process with three ingredients required. And again, this is very basic psychology, but step number one is there's a bunch of strangers out there. And when I say strangers, I don't just mean anyone and everyone who doesn't know about us. Strangers are people specifically who don't know about us, but we believe would be a good fit or they could benefit from whatever it is that we provide, right? So those are strangers that don't know about us. So our goal, number one, is just to move people from strangers to friends. That's it. That's our whole first goal. And the way you move someone from a stranger to a friend is number one, they have to know about you. Number two, they have to like you, right? If they don't like you, they don't like what you stand for. There's no hope of them ever becoming a customer. And I know that sounds very like it's a when people hear that, they're like, of course, that makes sense. But I can't tell you the number of marketers I see wasting money, throwing it out there, putting their message in front of people who will never like them because it's the wrong audience. It's the wrong set of strangers. And the example I, I love to use this is a, a 
bigger example here, or just a fictitious kind of made up example um, would be if we were to go into the grass fed beef business, right? Does it make sense for us to put our messages in front of groups of vegans and vegetarians? No, that would be foolish. That'd be wasting our money because they're never going to like us because they don't eat the product that we make, right? They're, they maybe morally or ethically stand against what we do. So it would be foolish for us to continue spending money in that direction. And yet that is what so many entrepreneurs do. They continually spend money putting their message in front of people who will never, no matter what they do, like them enough to get to the next point, which is moving people from friends to customers. And the core ingredient there, Michael, is just simply trust. No one is going to hand you money if they don't believe your product, your service, your company is going to do what you say it's going to do. And I could dive into more on that, but that's that's the basics of it. I, I want to piggyback off of that too. And you alluded to the trust factor and we've been kind of weaving this idea of attention throughout this conversation. The way that, I, that I've kind of been thinking about this, the same idea, but from an individual perspective. So once you do nail down your target avatar and you know who you're, who you're talking to and who, who you're messaging with your content, there's sort of like three layers of our attention that need to be penetrated before we take action on something. And the way that I think about that is you have like the periphery layer, you have the preference layer, and then you have the priority layer. And nobody's going to ever take action on anything until it's within their priority circle. But to do that, you need to penetrate the periphery so that they're thinking about you more than at once every month or they're vaguely aware of you you need to become more than a preference where they would like to get involved or they would like to become a part of what you're building or they would like to but there's barrier x y and z and once you get past that and you understand the core motivations fears desires and needs of that individual it's easy to become a priority with the right approach what other trends or tactics are top of mind for you or are you seeing in the market right now that you're excited about or that you guys are exploring with the clients you're working with? This is going to sound uh, maybe like a, a cop-out answer, just uh, <laughs> bypassing the question, but I'm not. I, I'm really excited right now that as AI picks up, so that's a huge conversation right now, as you know, there's more and more social platforms, social options for people to be a part of, I love that. And the reason I love that is this, because if you are able to actually build real human connection with people, you will win this game that we're entering into. And so the more real connections you can have with your customers, prospective customers, the easier it's going to be for you to stand out in this automated world, in this world where you don't know if it's a robot talking to you or a person talking to you. You don't know if it's somebody across the street or across the world, right? The more you are directly connected with your audience, the stronger position you're going to be in and the more likely you are to weather the storm and to win in your competitive market space, whatever that may be. My last question for you, Wayne, is really, really just around your personal vision. What are you looking to do long-term, either for the agency or for yourself as you evolve in your own career? You know, I, I wish I had this grand vision, you know, of uh, <laughs> private jets and, and all these other things with offices around the world. But here's what I've come to learn over the years, Michael, is that um, the most rewarding and the most fulfilling parts of my life and my day are being what I would call an incrementalist. So it's looking at my life holistically, looking at my business holistically and finding the ways that I can get incrementally better each and every day. Now, yes. we live in a world, we live in a society where 
we are so easily distracted to the end result, right? We're so easily enamored by obtaining the thing that all too often, what we forget is that we have goals in our lives, right? As entrepreneurs, as we lean that direction, we have all these various goals. And if you think back over your life, the goals that you've actually achieved, you've reached, how long were you truly satisfied with that outcome? And the answer, if we're honest with ourselves, for most of us, it's a very short moment actually truly satisfied with what we've accomplished because what happens next right we set the next thing that we have to go pursue and so where i'm leaning into is learning to love the journey and learning to love the little tiny battles that enable me to get better each and every day because it doesn't matter if you're just starting out in business it doesn't matter if you've been in business for 30 years there are battles that you're going to face every single day and it's a choice it's always a choice do we choose to get better in this moment or do we choose to drift a little bit further so that all of that to say that the thing that i've really been leaning in, into the last couple of years is this that the person in the mirror who looks back at me every morning that is going to be the most difficult person that i will have to lead that day and until i learn to lead that person well I need to have grace with all those around me and have grace with myself as well. But that is the lesson. That is the thing that it inspires me, it motivates me, and it encourages me because I know that every single day I can feel a sense of accomplishment. I can feel a sense of moving towards something that is bigger than I am. I love that. The most successful people in the world, they don't view setbacks or failures as losing the game. They don't really view it as failure. They view it as a stimulus or a catalyst to learn and to be overcome. And they actually seek out those points of growth. Whereas those that aren't successful or, or aren't as high achievers, they allow those setbacks to define how they feel about themselves and how they feel about the world. And that becomes a pervasive underlying belief that is very destructive. And so thank you for sharing that. That's more important than people realize. Wayne, this has been an amazing conversation. Where can people go to connect with you and to learn more about what you guys are working on? Sure. The simplest place for all of our agency work related things would be uglymugmarketing.com. All of our emails, socials, all that stuff is there. Um, if you want to follow me kind of personally on my leadership and entrepreneurial journey, the best place is probably on Instagram. And that's just at fire yourself. Awesome. Love it. Wayne, thanks so much for joining me today, man. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review as I'm trying to spread these insights to as many people as possible and everything helps. Also connect with me on Instagram at work with Michael. You can navigate to my link tree to find more resources and to check out other programs and content. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My book, Content Capitalist, is on sale now. Grab your copy by visiting my website or tapping the link in the episode description. I also just released the online learning portal, which expands on what I share in the book. This includes four hours of edited, captioned video tutorials and trainings, plus dozens of downloadables and templates. Between the book and the e-academy, you're going to be equipped to literally blow your revenue targets out of the water and eviscerate your competition this year, all by putting content at the core. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, comment, and share all the things and hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect. I am here to serve you and that's it. I will see you in the next episode.